Praise be Jesus Christ, now and forever. As we roll into Holy Week, and indeed some of these will come out while we're in Holy Week, this is a special treat recorded to us. In 1975, Father James V. McKaminsky, S.J., the pastor at St. Xavier Church in Cincinnati, and the person who had recorded these talks on the seven last words of Christ, uh, passed the recorder on to a friend of my mother's, and she has the original recording, which is now digitized. And I think when you listen to Father Mick Kaminsky on the seven last words, you're going to love it. You will be touched. We're going to put these up one word at a time, the first word, then the second word, then the third word, and I'll try to space them out to make it into Holy Week, uh, but definitely by the time we get to Holy Thursday, all seven of them will be up so that you can listen to all seven, again, on Good Friday, if you wish. Enjoy now, Father James V. McKaminsky, S.J., Treore, The Seven Last Words of Christ. The Promise of Our Lord. I will pour out upon the house of David and upon the inhabitants of Jerusalem the spirit of grace and of prayers, And they shall look upon me whom they have pierced, and they shall mourn for him as one mourneth for an only son. And they shall grieve over him as the manner is to grieve for the death of the firstborn. And they shall say to him, What are these wounds in the midst of thy hands? And he shall say, With these I was wounded in the house of them that loved me. Let us pray for the grace here promised. Father, Forgive them, for they know not what they do. When the mockery of Christ's trial had run its course, when the brutality of the scourging and crowning with thorns had wrecked their havoc on his human body, when the weight of the cross had brought utter exhaustion to his sacred limbs, He was raised aloft on Calvary before the taunting gaze of the maddened crowd. I'd like you to think of two things as we look at Christ on the cross. The first is that out of respect and Christian modesty. Down through the centuries, artists and sculptors have pictured Christ as being partially clothed, at least over the most sacred part of his body. But we know from history that was not true. The Romans had no respect for the human body. And Christ, who is so offended by impurity and immodesty, was held aloft completely naked. And the other thing that we did not know, at least for sure, 
until the discovery of the Holy Shroud of the Cathedral of Turin was that the Roman executioners, who were experts at this, knew well that if they drove a nail into each of the hands of the crucified, the weight of the human body would pull the flesh out and they'd be deprived of their fun. We know now that the Roman executioners were experts at finding the strongest arch of bones in the human body, Desto's face, discovered and named by a French doctor. It's an arch of bones in the lower part of the wrist just above the palm. And they knew exactly how to strike that arch so that the body would never fall and the crucified would die of asphyxiation, smothering. But as you look at Christ on the cross today, remember, through the desto space, the arch of bones in the wrist where they drove the nail, is one of the largest nerves in the human body, the median nerve. You and I shrink from the drill of a dentist because of the smallest nerves in the human body. And Christ had nails driven through the largest nerves and hung there racking on the cross for three hours. No wonder, no wonder the executioners were surprised at his first work. The crowd is anxiously awaiting them. The executioners expected him to cry out because everyone crucified before him had done so. Roman historians tell us that those who were hanging on the cross cursed the day of their birth. They cursed their executioners. They cursed their mothers. They spat on the people below. Cicero tells us that some of them had to have their tongues cut out to stop the horrible blasphemies. How amazed they must have been to hear the first words of Christ. They were less a cry than a prayer, a prayer for pardon and forgiveness. We have to strain to hear it. We are eavesdropping on the prayer of Christ to his Father. Listen, the parched lips slowly part, far off, down the centuries, look comes into his eyes as he says, Father, Father, forgive them. They know not what they do. On the Mount of Beatitudes, he had said, Love your enemies. Do good to those who hate you. Pray for those who persecute and revile you. And here he is now practicing that cardinal Christian virtue of love. Love which is a sham if it does not contain forgiveness, even when it hurts most. The gospel tells us that he repeated this word. It's the only word on the cross that he said more than once. Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. 
did he see in the crowd that caused him to repeat it again and again? The soldier who had struck him with the male fist, forgive him, Father. Pilate, who condemned God to please Caesar, oh, forgive him, Father. Herod, who robed eternal wisdom in the white garment of a fool, forgive him, Father. He didn't know what he was doing. The apostles, where are they to be forgiven? There's only John. Down through the ages, because this was for all time, those who would forsake him because his way was difficult, forgive them. Those who would desecrate his body in the Holy Eucharist, forgive them, Father. They don't know what they're doing. Those who would revere, refuse to revere his precious blood, at least in Sunday Mass, they'd even say, his blood be on us and on our children. Forgive them, Father. Forgive. What reason did he give the Father to forgive them? Because they don't know what they're doing. If they knew what they were doing and still went on doing it, they knew what a crime it was to sentence eternal life itself to death. If they knew what it meant to choose Barabbas before Christ. If they knew that the very blood they were shedding was to redeem them, they would never be saved. It was only the ignorance. The ignorance of their great sin that brought them within the reach of Christ's prayer from the cross. It's not wisdom that saves. It's ignorance. How about us? If we knew what a terrible sin was, then sin was and went on sinning. If we knew how much love there was in the sacrifice of the cross, and still to refuse to fill the chalice of our hearts with that love. If we knew how much mercy there was in the sacrament of penance, and still refuse to bend a humble knee to a hand with the power to forgive, if we knew how much life there is in the Eucharist and still refuse to partake of the bread that makes life everlasting, if we knew all the truth there is in the church and still turned our backs on it like other pilots, if we did all these, we would be lost. It's not wisdom that saves, it's ignorance. And it's only our ignorance of how good God is that excuses you and me for not being saints. Oh, good Jesus, I don't want to know the wisdom of the world. I don't want to know the hiding place of darkness or from whose womb came the ice. I don't want to know the length of the universe in terms of light years. I don't want to know the heights of the stars or the depths of the seas or the innermost secret of the atom. I want to be ignorant of all these things. I want only to know the length, the breadth, the height, and the depth of your redeeming love on the cross. I want to be ignorant of everything in the world except you. And then by the strangest of all strange paradoxes, I shall be wise.
You have been listening to a devotional episode of the Bellarmine Forum podcast on the seven last words of Christ, Treore, recording of Father James V. Mikkominski, S.J., in 1975 at St. Xavier Church in Cincinnati, Ohio. Production of this episode was underwritten by an anonymous donor that asks you to say your rosary daily. If you would like to underwrite production of the podcast, contact the forum using the contact form on the website bellamanforum.org or call us. This podcast is a production of the Bellarmine Forum, formerly known as the Wanderer Forum Foundation. Founded in 1965 on the heels of Vatican II as a faithful enclave of Catholic faith without all the progressive modernist confusion. Our producer sits at the right hand of the Father and will come again in glory to judge the living and the dead. Our executive director made all things visible and invisible. Our technical director is an unnamed angel assigned to us by the producer per show. The Bellarmine Forum is a nonprofit public charity and all donations are tax deductible to the maximum extent permitted by law. Even if you don't have the funds to donate, say a Hail Mary. There's so many good things going on, and we see just the little things that we have, even on the website, touch lives all around the world. We have stories of parents who didn't realize that the catechism is unchanged and their children should learn about the sacraments. We have others that have put their whole family into the Marian Catechist program because they wanted to learn the faith Those are all good things, and they come about through God using us to touch those people. And that happens through grace, and we get grace from prayer. So more important than the donations are the prayers. Keep Continue to pray for the Bellarmine Forum. And hopefully you found this presentation of the seven last words of Christ as touching and bringing grace to you as we hope. This show is copyrighted. By the Bellman Forum 2019 to the greater glory of God and the honor of his blessed mother.